0: Good morning and welcome to City Well. We are so glad you're here. My name is DJ Grick, um, founding pastor of City Well. If you haven't noticed, we're in a different space to live stream from today. We're excited about it. Uh, it set up like a dance studio. So right before we went live, yeah, I, was, I was up here doing my stretches and they're making fun of me. Uh, but I heard, of, I heard recently of a teacher and she said to her students, hey, I want you to submit an assignment Uh, Just write down what you want to be when you grow up. Let me know. And so the student, one student, quickly typed it down and sent it in. And the teacher looked at it, and it just had one word. It had the word happy. And so the teacher opens a private chat up in Zoom and is like, "Um, Susie, I, I don't think you understood the assignment. Dot dot dot. And before she could type the rest of her message out to Susie, she gets this reply back from Susie that just said, No, Miss Baker, I don't think you understand life. And I think a lot of us feel like that. Like we're we're searching for happiness. We want happiness. But life keeps leaving us feeling empty. Instead, and last week we talked about John 1010. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then Jesus said, But I came, that you may have life and life to the fullest. That's what we want for you. We want you to have joy. We want you to have a life where you're not just jumping from one happy experience to the next happy experience, but instead you're living a life of joy where no matter what you experience, what you're going through, you can still have joy. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy come on like anybody wants some fullness of joy raise hand emoji in the chat right now if you want some fullness of joy it continues then and says at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore so far in the series we we talked about the first choice it's the daily choice to pray first, no matter what comes up. It's the choice where, you know what? Something pops up in my life that's going to steal my joy. I bring it to God because he's the author and perfecter of life. He already has a plan, and he can offer me the fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore, no matter what's thrown my way. Last week, we talked about the daily choice, and that daily choice is to choose to live a life of purity, where we aren't needing to worry about what's going on, and a lot of times, we don't need to worry about being found out because we're not hiding anything anymore. Last, so that's the daily choice. Today we're talking about the life-changing choice. And back to Psalm 1611, it says, you make known the path of life. You make known the path of life. There is a path. There is a divine order. There is a process that if we follow, it brings us to a life of joy. We need to get the correct order. We need to figure out what is the divine order. And in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, it starts out and it says, Since we have this huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off the things that slow us down and hold us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves tight around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race God has before us. This was last week's message. Where the idea that you can't be guilty and happy at the same time. We need to deal with that stuff so that it's not holding us back anymore. But Hebrews 12 continues and says, keep your eyes on Jesus, our leader and instructor. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be set before him. Joy he knew would be his afterwards. And now he sits in a place of honor by the throne of God. If you want to keep from being faint-hearted and weary, like, come on, you don't want to be faint-hearted and weary, says, think about his patience as sinful men did such terrible things to him. So the first part of setting this divine order in your life of joy is putting Jesus first. J is Jesus if you want to have joy, he needs to be your priority. Scripture talks a lot about making Jesus the Lord of our life. Lord is the idea. He's the ruler and master of our life. In Scripture, we see the illustration. And it's, kind of, it's a triggering illustration these days, but it's the idea of a master and a slave, and Jesus is the master, and we are his slave. But then we also see the illustration of a bondservant. That's the idea that we, he, we could be free, but we choose to follow him Anyway, we make the choice to follow him. We put Jesus in the position of lordship of our life, where what he says and what is in his word is what leads and guides our life. And maybe you're asking, why would anyone ever give up the control of their life to some guy who lived 2,000 years ago and this book? And do you know the reason why? Because God loves us, and we see it. Jesus actually comes back to his disciples after they put him in the position of lordship and he says, I no longer call you servants for a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I've learned from the father I've made known to you. So when we give Jesus lordship of our life, we realize like I'm going to give him control. All of a sudden we realize it's the best place we can be. And instead of needing to be there and feeling like it, I have to, we choose to be in the position where he ha- he's in lordship. And then, as that relationship grows, we look around and realize, you know what? This isn't like a, a master commanding me. This is a friendship. He loves me, and I love him. And that's where lordship gets us to. And that's the goal all along. We turn to Christ, and he gives us joy, fullness of joy. When you accept Jesus, he starts doing a work in your life to lead you into this relationship. Jesus changes us from the inside out. See, when we accept him, he sends the Holy Spirit to us to start doing a work in our lives. And our hearts start to change and our minds start to change and our conscience comes alive like never before. For a lot of people, this is when Christians become annoying because the Holy Spirit starts poking those different buttons in your life and you know he's poking them. And you look around and go, the Holy Spirit needs to poke some lives, in that person, and that person, and that person, so I'm going to go poke that, right? Have you ever experienced a Christian like that? And maybe you're there where you're like, I'm feeling this new stuff with Jesus, and I don't know what to do with it, and uh, the Holy Spirit's poking me in those areas. You don't need to be other people's Holy Spirit. He is doing that in you to help transform you into what God has designed you to be. Just make the changes he's calling you to make today. And it brings us to the place. Where it says in Galatians, we have the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. That's the outcome of walking with the Holy Spirit. The outcome of the Holy Spirit doing this work in your life. It's, it's love and joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says against such there is no law. Isn't it interesting? Joy is one of the fruits. Joy is one of the outcomes, the results, the, the rewards of letting the Holy Spirit do a work in your life. Life. As a result of stepping in, in step with the Holy Spirit, we find joy. And it is sandwiched right there between love and peace. Right between those two, we have joy. Jesus also gives us supernatural joy. Most people start experiencing this the moment they accept Jesus as their personal Savior. They have a joy they can't describe and don't know where it comes from, but God offers it. and Then he continues to pour it out on us as we seek after it, Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Fill you. Not just give you a little bit, not just a piece. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we come to Jesus and say, I need some joy, I need some joy in my life. I need you to do a work. And we fix our eyes on him and we fix our eyes on the work he did on the cross. We fix our eyes on the fact that he gives us a purpose and he gives us promise and he gives us this promise of life everlasting. We can start living life in joy. Maybe you're saying, how do I put Jesus in a position of lordship in my life? Though? How do I even do it? It starts by, by asking, have you ever given your life to him? Have you ever made him Lord of your life? And i I'm not talking that you were eight years old and uh, you said a prayer in Sunday school because a teacher told you you needed to say that prayer. I'm saying, have you ever made the decision to say, Jesus, I trust you as my only source of a right standing with God and I am trusting you with my life. I will serve you. Have you ever made that decision? And if not, what is holding you back from that? Right now, you can make that decision. In the quiet of your heart, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm in. Jesus, I'm in. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And immediately, you are saved, and he goes to work to start working in you. Now, if you've done that this morning, or maybe you haven't accepted Jesus, and you just have questions rolling around in your mind, and you're like, I, I have more questions before I'm ready. Regardless, what I want you to do right now is text the word Jesus, just Jesus, to 610 590 550. Five that's going to let us know that that's where you're at. And it's going to cue a couple different things. You'll get back a link and we'll ask for your name and some information. If you say, I, I accepted Jesus as my savior, we're going to celebrate and we're going to send you a letter with some next steps to help you keep growing in that relationship. If you say, I, I still have more questions, either Steph or I will reach out to you this week because we'd love to talk through that with you. So it starts with a relationship with Jesus. Next is we need to put into practice some of the things we already talked about in this series. Pray first. If you missed that message, it was two weeks ago, go back and listen to it. Pray first. Praying first trains our mind to focus on God and the fact that no matter what's coming our way, he is still in control. He is on the throne, and he can take care of it. We can trust his plan. We also need to, if Jesus isn't lordship in our lives, we need to work to live a life of purity. Start, Start trusting him, and a lot of times... We have these different opportunities come up. And there's the easy choice, and then there's the honorable one. And when Jesus is in lordship of our life, we're going to choose the honorable one, even if it's harder, because we know that the outcome gives him glory. The, other, the last one, and there's a lot more I could talk up through on helping you work through Jesus in lordship, but the last one for this morning is open up your Bible. Open up your Bible. Start spending time getting to know who Jesus was what he was like, who Jesus is, and what he's doing in people's lives. You might be surprised by what you find because the images we see in Sunday school and uh, a lot of culture and movies about Jesus don't line up with what we see in scripture of who Jesus is and what he was like. He hung out with outcasts and prostitutes and political sellouts. His leadership team was made up of a bunch of guys who didn't make the cut, and they ended up just going and working their family business rather than getting into a decent school. He went to parties. He turned water into wine. He he regularly offended the religious community of his day. Jesus got angry. And I'm not talking like he was a little bit mad and then he he was like, just quietly on the side trying to figure out how to be passive aggressive and deal with the problem. No, he like went crazy. In the temple, the one day there was a marketplace set up. He went in there and starts throwing over tables, makes himself a whip, and starts chasing people with a whip, driving them out of the temple. Jesus experienced all of those. In our minds and our images that we see of Jesus and we think of Jesus, he's this long, beautiful haired man who's just meek and quiet and soft and gentle spoken. And uh, that doesn't line up with what we see in scripture. He was a carpenter before there's power tools. He was trained as a carpenter. He was probably ripped. And beyond that, Jesus was able to command a crowd of thousands and thousands of people, including children, without the use of a microphone. He was not some quiet little soft-spoken man. He could yell. He could get his voice out there and be heard. Do you really want to see who Jesus was? Get to experience, I open scripture. Look at, I'd encourage you, if you've never read scripture before, open up to the book of John. The book of John. And you're going to see the life and ministry and seven of the miracles that he did. But also there's a clear call to put him in lordship and in your life in that book. So if you've never read anything in scripture and you want to start that, start with the book of John and dig into that. So Jesus, J, is the pathway of joy. Next we want to put we want O is others. Humans, like, like all living creatures, have a natural desire for self-preservation. We want to be comfortable, and we want to be safe. right? But once we start saying, I need to find divine joy in my life, we start, instead of focusing on just making myself comfortable and safe, and is serving others and giving them comfort and safety. And Acts, we see, it says, in everything I did, I showed you that by the kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than receive. See, serving others distracts us from our problems. And a lot of times beyond that, it reminds us of our blessing. You, you find out that somebody you know just they lost their leg because of diabetes and they need a ramp into their house now to help them get in. You go over and you help build that ramp. All of a sudden, the fact that you need to start working out and change your diet because your high blood pressure doesn't seem like such a big deal. Any more, you, you start talking to somebody you work with and then you end up praying with him because his wife ran, ran off with your be- his best friend. All of a sudden those little things that irritate you about your spouse don't seem so significant because they love you and they aren't going anywhere. See, when when we start serving others, it distracts us from our problems. We, we also realize a lot of them aren't that bad. Also when we serve others, usually the joy starts flowing both ways. And you know, some people bring joy anywhere they go. Other people bring joy anytime they leave. We want to be the people that bring joy anywhere we go. And you can be that type of person and when you are, when you choose, no matter where I go or what's going on, I'm going to bring joy to the life of people. People tend to pour joy back into you. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. He, he had sent Timothy to them to check on them and encourage them. And then he wrote a follow-up letter back. And what he said is, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all of the joy we have in the presence of the Lord because of you? Paul, went to, Paul sent Timothy to minister to them, and they poured back into Paul. He received joy back as he's trying to send it to them. Over the years, Steph and I have had the opportunity to go on a bunch of amazing missions adventures. And uh, one of the best examples in my head of seeing this play out in action, we were, we were down in a southern city in the middle of the hot summer, and she is pregnant, like pregnant. And first kid, we're working on somebody's house outside in the heat, and this lady just came out and goes, girl, hmm, you need to come into my air conditioning and sit on my couch. And she's like, I think I will. <laughs> And so she goes in, and Steph, Steph's in her mindset is, I'm going to minister to this lady. I'm going to check and see how her soul is doing and how she's doing and just talk with her. And the end of the time, we're outside working. The two of them come back out smiling ear to ear because as Steph is trying to pour into this lady and encourage her, she's pouring back into Steph and encouraging her. And it was just this amazing example of that, but there's so many others. So we put Jesus first and others second and ourselves third. Notice I said ourselves third. I did not say yourselves last. There is a difference. Many times we grow up, as we're growing in our faith, we start to believe that if the less we do for ourselves, the more spiritual we are. We start believing that the less time we spend on ourselves, the more spiritual we are. But let me tell you, personal care is spiritual care. I believe that it is important to take care of your physical well-being because it affects your spiritual well-being. Jesus, on the night he was crucified, said to his disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He told them, pray that you don't fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The body is weak. Pray for the body. Pray that it have, might have strength." So maybe the reason you're struggling today with joy is because if you were to look at your life, you'd realize you're over committed. You don't take a break and I've watched this happen in so many people's lives. It happens through work, but it also happens in the church so often. So maybe you 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 believe wholeheartedly that when we serve God and we serve others it brings us joy and I want to tell you that is true, but too much of a good thing is no longer a good thing. So so you start serving in the church and starting kids ministry, you're you're serving with kids and you're you have a class that you teach every week, but then you find out there's there's some holes in it, administrative work, and you volunteer there, and you're like, I'll, I'll do some data entry for the church. And you're in, a, you're in a life group, but that life group leader wants to start a new life group, so you volunteer to be the leader of that life group. And then on top of that, you hear about another ministry that's starting that's like right up your alley, and you're passionate about what they want to do. So you're like, I'm, I'm in. I will help start that too. And then, then you find out that you're next-door neighbor. Has fallen and she is like in pretty bad shape, but her family doesn't live anywhere around. So every day you're going over to check on her and see what she needs and doing whatever you can for her and you're serving her. And then one morning you wake up and you feel guilty because you're like, I don't even want to do this. I don't want to go serve the kids today. I don't, they're, they've been driving me insane the last few weeks. They're just being bad and I'm going crazy. And you feel guilty because you know, like, you didn't even prep, you didn't have time, your schedule was too. Fool that week and you're just gonna have to wing it. I don't believe God has called us to commit to that much. Can I tell you something else? If you go to the leadership over those areas and they they start sending you on a guilt trip because you wanna step out of something, I believe one of two things is happening with them. It's not you, it's probably them. They're either oblivious to what's going on in your life. Or there's, they don't have biblical motivations behind it. So if you are managing your time well, if you are trying, but you don't have time to breathe, time to rest, time to take a break, time to worship God, time to refuel your soul, you're heading for burnout, and it will steal your joy. So something I've been working on growing in, and I'm still not perfect at, but I'm trying to know the people who serve around me, so that we can go to them before they get to the point of having joy robbed and say, hey, you have a guilt-free exit. You need a break. Take the break. Second thing you need to get on this is rest is always part of God's pattern. We see him establish this at the beginning of creation and throughout history. Genesis 2, 3, it says, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had Done. God didn't just tell us to rest. He modeled rest for us. He worked six days making everything. Then he sat back and went, Ah. This is good. Do you take that time to sit back and rest? Do you have a day that you take a break? Do you have a day that you worship and let God refuel you? If you don't, you need to find a way. Maybe you need to step down out of some different things or give up some commitments. Because you need to make sure you're taking time for your soul to be healthy. And part of that's making sure your body is healthy and you have rest. So what steps do you need to take? What is the Holy Spirit laying on your heart today at getting the divine order? Jesus, others, yourself. What action step? And I want you right now to think through that and pray through that. What we're going to do is give you one minute to reflect on this. And a timer will come up on the screen. We'll come back after that minute is over. But I want you to write down what you want to do, what action step you're called to this week. Write it down. You can find a notebook and write it down personally yourself somewhere, or you can just type it in the chat and let other people know, and we can encourage one another in that. So go ahead and take the next minute and reflect on that.